Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to a new episode of Zach on Film. This is all about San Diego Comic-Con. Joining me this week is Steven. Hello. Rodrigo. Hi. And Matthew. What up? And uh, Steven, you did a whole lot of coverage on San Diego Comic-Con this last week. I did. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, it was uh, great. It was a lot of, I mean, a lot of stuff happened. Not yeah, a lot of big announcements. Of there was a lot of stuff. Um, and the first thing I want to talk about, which kind of happened at Comic-Con and then afterwards, was the Suicide Squad trailer. The Suicide Squad is a uh, DC property. It's been mm-hmm. announced by Warner Brothers for a while. Mm-hmm. We've talked about on the Major Spoilers podcast the all the act, the actors involved and the directors and uh, what we've seen of that so far. But at Comic Con during the the Warner Brothers Hall H panel, they mm-hmm. showed the the first trailer for the film, right? And then someone decided to break. Comic Con Hall H rules. So yeah, so there's and a bunch videotape of it and then release it online. It. Yeah, so there, here's this weird thing that's going on with this. So first of all, you can go online and you can find. I think it's a uh, Hit Flix, City Slicks, whatever. I, we've got all, most not all their videos, but a lot of their videos already on the Major Spoilers website where they were actually just recording the entire panel mm-hmm. uh, and putting it up. Now they weren't putting any of the video clips that were shown because that was they were barred against. But somehow they got the agreement. They secured some permission to record all of the panels in Hall H and put them up online, like within an hour or two of the event being over. Right. Which was really cool because then people got to see that experience. And that's something that I've been talking about for a long time, that Comic-Con really needs to do this. Uh, they've We've already talked before, too, that they've got a streaming agreement uh, for next year for something, but we don't know what. But here's how the Warner Brothers panel went down. So uh, they had three movies that they were going to talk about. Uh, yes, three movies. Uh, they came out and they did... Man from Uncle, and immediately after, and so that you're looking at an hour and a half, so you've got about 20, 25 minutes per uh, movie that they want to hype. Immediately after the Man of, from Uncle uh, trailer debuted at Comic Con, boom, it went up on the Warner Brothers website. They're like, here it is, look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I've got emails from them like minutes after it saying, here's the link and everything. And so that was all there. Great. And so everybody was pretty excited that literally in the middle of the panel, the Man from Uncle trailer is live for everyone else to see. That must mean that Batman v Superman, they're going to do the exact same thing. Ah, but first, ladies and gentlemen, let's bring out the Suicide Squad. And people went nuts from this trailer. I mean, just you look at the the Twitter feeds for the uh, SDCC and hashtag SDCC 2015. And people were blowing up on this, talking about how great it was, how awesome it was. And uh, the people that were there reporting on the show floor were talking about how awesome it was. And then all of the sites were like, okay, where's the trailer? Maybe they're going to wait a little bit longer for this trailer. And then they didn't release the trailer. And people were like, well, okay, maybe they're just waiting for something else to happen. Right. Then we get Batman v Superman comes on. And again, people go crazy for Batman v Superman. And Immediately after the panel's over, everyone's like, so are they going to release any photos, any high-res stuff? Are they going to release the trailer? And again, they didn't do it until about, I want to say it was the same day, Mm -hmm. but I want to say it was like three or four hours after the panel, they finally released the full trailer to Batman v Superman. 
and no Suicide Squad. Right. Well, you've got 6,000 people, 6,500 people in Hall H, and you're telling them to turn off your cell phones, and then you see some people still recording who are YouTube channel affiliates or whatever that they have going. So, yeah, there's going to be people that are going to say, well, I'm just going to record this on my cell phone and put it up there. Mm -hmm. I mean... Well, you know, that's what happens. It's happened every year since cell phones and video have been in high quality. Yeah. And but... and then uh, afterwards, Warner Brothers got a little pissy, and so did 20th Century Fox. And they're like, well, if, if Comic-Con can't keep their security in place, we may never bring original footage to Comic-Con again, mm-hmm. which, is exactly, <laughs> which is exactly what they said last year and is exactly what they said the year before when leaked footage hit online. Mm-hmm. Now it's uh, Tuesday, no, Monday... Finally, the full trailer is released. Yeah, the Suicide Squad. That's, Warner, that's the whole chain of events. Now, yeah. I have a theory as to why the chain of events happened, but I'll let you guys pop in here, too. Yeah, yeah what I, um, and not even, I was so kind of unplugged from Comic Con when it was happening uh, that I didn't realize the trailer had been leaked. Right. And then I saw this thing and I started reading all the reports of the Warner Brothers executives being upset. That someone would violate this trust, <laughs> the sacred, the sacred trust, trust that, that we trust people. Oh, you and then it's uh, so like, well, we didn't want to show the masses of the internet this trailer, but well, we're going to show it anyways. I don't think it was that. I well, that's what they said. I'm not. I, mean, I, I, know, they said. I know Warner <laughs> Brothers was upset, but I don't think that they're saying. Well, we didn't want to show you this footage, so I guess we'll show it to you anyway. I don't, I mean, they could be thinking that, but I have a different reason for why they released it on Monday. Uh, Rodrigo, do you think that uh, Warner Brothers, I guess, should be even surprised that this happened, or you think they should be upset that someone would record on their cell phone uh, this trailer and then put it up online for people to watch? They shouldn't be surprised. I suppose it's their prerogative to be upset. Um, but they should have realized that would happen. I wonder if, like, the idea behind waiting to release this is to, like, maintain, like, the exclusivity of Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point of going to Comic-Con if you can actually see the trailer immediately and more times? Mm-hmm. Here, Here's the thing. I gotta see Ben Affleck. I got to see Will Smith. Sure, sure. I got to see those people sure, and you at me. See, I got to see that live. The it's, the, it's like, well, why do you go to a live basketball game sure. if you can just sit at home and watch it? And I and I understand that. And, you know, it's the it, it's that thing that works both ways. Right. right? It's like, mm-hmm. for me, that's precisely the reason not to go to Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. But for people, yeah. for a lot of people, that's exactly the reason why you go to Comic-Con <laughs> is to be neck deep in that right. uh, environment. Um. And I understand that, but from the executive's point of view, I wonder if they were like, well, what's the point of doing even doing this panel if like maybe they just didn't want to hear it. Right. You know, they didn't want to hear it from people who went to Comic Con is like, what's the point of going if you're just gonna release a trailer right mm-hmm. away? Yeah. You know, I paid seventy five thousand okay. dollars to get how much is it to get into Comic Con? About that. Yeah. <laughs> plus, plus so let's let's look at a flip side, right? So when the very first uh, Harry Potter movie is a little bit too far back in the in the uh, land of the internet, but um, the most recent Star Wars trailer uh, that came out over Thanksgiving is going to be shown in theaters on this time. It got leaked out, right? And then uh, Lucasfilm and Disney were like, "Well, it's already leaked out. You know, 
let's just go ahead and put it up online uh, before yep. the movie theater release. Because the idea was we're going to release it in theaters at this time, and you can go see it on this first day. And then the next day, we'll release it online. Got out early. Everybody was fine with it. People still went to the theaters to see the trailer because they wanted mm-hmm. to see it up on a big screen. The spectacle part of it, I think, is the main reason why people would go sure. and continue to go to Comic-Con. Matthew, is it good for movies in general that we have this culture on the internet that is so craving early footage that isn't really even high res, is not good? I mean, these these leaked trailers from Comic-Con are not great. They're record- oh, no, they're recording crap. them on a crappy thing. You don't get anything in focus. I mean, is this is this even worth it for someone to do? I think it's it's the best and the worst of the internet at work because the best instinct is we want to share everything with everyone in a perfect egalitarian society, which I'm totally down with that. And at that point, it becomes and then everyone can say terrible, terrible things about the quality of everything we see in our perfect, hateful, egalitarian society to to a lot of uh, for a lot of purposes. I always think about this the same way Stephen talks about his detective shows in the modern era theory. The exclusive trailer, there were air quotes there, gentlemen. The exclusive trailer, thank you, in the age of digital media and literally hundreds of cameras in every single room really is kind of a thing of the past. I mean, I I know that when I was a kid, you could buy bootlegged versions of movies that were in the theaters. And at that point, the camera was the size of Rodrigo's car. And now when someone can just walk in with a device the size of their palm and record this whole thing and get an okay version of it, yeah, I think that it is a good thing in a way. I think that the people who are desperate to have this material, who want this material first, may not always have the best intentions in getting it and getting it out there. But I think like the response that you know Stephen was referring to when it, they said there's a crappy version on the internet – Let's just reverse let's let's send out the real thing. Let's give people the high resolution version that we created for this purpose a little earlier. And you get the buzz. You get the people talking about your mm-hmm. movie. You get that 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 forward kind of talk about, oh, this movie's gonna be great, or I don't know about this movie, guys. We yeah. need to see this movie. Here. But you once it's been released, that's the point where you can put out the really, really right. good copy and make sure people can see it. So what's here's, your here's what's my your, conspiracy yeah, theory? What's your theory? So they released Man from Uncle immediately. I mean, like literally a minute after they showed the trailer, it was available from Warner Brothers online in high resolution. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers is is probably not expecting a lot of play from Comic Con audience for that, even though it does have Henry Cavill and uh, sure. what's his face in it. Um, they waited until the afternoon on Sunday after all of the entertainment shows had already recorded all their bits to release the Batman v Superman one. Uh, on Saturday, they released it late Saturday. Mm-hmm. So all the Saturday shows would have already recorded their stuff like Entertainment Tonight and that stuff records at noon, one o'clock, whatever. So that Sunday and going into Monday, everybody's talking about Batman v Superman and how awesome that trailer was. Mm-hmm. If they had released both of those trailers, Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman at the same time, there would not be buzz on one of those. Mm-hmm. So they maximized their buzz for two days on Batman v Superman. Then late Monday afternoon, which is when the Suicide Squad movie dropped, you've got all the evening shows that are mm-hmm. going who can talk about uh, Suicide Squad. And then you've got all the Tuesday markets dominated by Suicide Squad. That's my mm. conspiracy theory on 
They were actually planning on releasing these at these times so that they could maximize coverage on Batman v Superman because Comic-Con is hot in everybody's mind. That's what everybody wants to talk about. And oh, by the way, here's this other awesome movie that uh, uh, Warner Brothers is putting out that they didn't want to release initially, but now they have to, they have to, air quotes, Matthew, they have to put it out there. Right. And they were going to put it out there eventually anyway. anyway, But you're right. I think it, they have calculated the maximum buzz metrics um so that they have a good shot of like basically elbowing out any other news stories or Mm -hmm. anything else that's Mm -hmm. going on so contrast warner brothers reaction to oh we had to release it because there was already a crappy version out there (laughs) compare that to the deadpool uh trailer right that one is also out there in a very crappy quality format and again audiences went crazy for this and everyone's like where is this where is this where is this finally somebody leaked something online and now somebody's website is getting a hundred million hits we put it up there too because uh, yeah because i th- i think we put that one up i did don't you? remember i don't think you i know did. we i know i put up the suicide squad originally but then when the new one came out I, I flipped it out but um ryan reynolds came out on monday and was basically like we really wanted to release the deadpool trailer to everybody because we really believe in it Problem is, what we showed at Comic-Con, there were a lot of effect shots that had not been finished yet. So mm-hmm. we are finishing those right now. In three weeks, you will see an even better version of what you saw at Comic-Con. Be patient. And everyone was like, hey, okay. thank you for that explanation. We'll gladly wait for that. Now, granted, we've probably seen the crappy version of it, but we really are waiting for three weeks <laughs> for this to come out. Mm-hmm. Good job. Thank you, Ryan Reynolds, for being so nice and so nice and so kind to us. And Warner Brothers is there as like... You evil little mothers! How dare you release the footage before you you get there? It is. I, I do recognize that these are grown adults, and <laughs> there are millions of dollars at stake. But it is kind of cute to see them pout. So let's take that a step further. I know this is probably not the direction you wanted, Zach. But now compare Warner Brothers' reaction to 20th Century Fox's reaction. 20th Century Fox, I think, is a little bit classier, even though they are also mad at Comic-Con for not doing their security. Sure. Compare that to what Lucasfilm and Disney did. They opened up their panel by saying, Kathleen Kennedy comes out and saying, Star Wars wouldn't be what it is without you, the fans. So we are going above and beyond what we're doing here. First of all, let's bring out all this live action stuff. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Second, we told you that we weren't going to show you a trailer, but here's something else that we're going to show you this whole five minute behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Roll it. Immediately after the panel was over, they released that saying, Hey, please use this. Please share with everybody. Here's photos from the event. Please do this. And Oh, by the way, all of you fans are who are here. We're going to take you down the street and we're going to we're going to give you a free Star Wars concert with all the stars in attendance. So 6,500 people got up from Hall H, walked down the street to the park where the uh, San Diego Symphony was there and performed mm-hmm. Star Wars music to all these guys, gave them free lightsabers. Uh, like I said, all the stars were there and enjoying the event. Wow, that is a that Six is hours a hours of an orchestra going. That, that is, I mean, look at the PR. Look at the great PR that Lucasfilm and Disney got from just giving giving it away, saying, you know, we wouldn't be here without you. So here, here you go. As opposed to we're going to control this message and you. I mean, it's like Warner Brothers is is Palpatine, right? In in this in this story. So I think each studio has handled 
the, the their thing trailers is, completely differently, and I think one of them the messed up the, more than the other. The thing is, yes, but it is a matter of PR because if the uh, if uh, if that um, we pat ourselves on the back for five minutes about practical effects trailer right. had somehow been <laughs> been leaked before oh, Comic Con. You can bet that Disney slash Star Wars slash Marvel, yeah. I mean, we're still hoping for a crossover <laughs> here, um, they would be pretty salty about it, even yeah. if their people mm-hmm. uh, were able to spin it properly. Because I I, I, I get what you're saying, and I agree mm-hmm. largely, but you're comparing two different situations. For the Star Wars stuff, everything went exactly like they planned it. Right. For Warner Brothers, it didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Because they, they went in saying, you know what? We are releasing this and we're releasing it immediately afterwards. Sure. Warner Brothers, sure. if they went in with that PR scheme of yeah. let's okay, release I, it this yeah. way, You're right. then yes, their mm-hmm. PR scheme did backfire right. on them. Right. But had they just said, eh, you know yeah. what? And, let's and, just put it out there and both of them will get talked. Yeah. And their PR scheme backfired on them because it made an assumption. Right. That they were never going to release it. That yeah, that, right. That just wasn't. And the problem, work. the great thing about Ryan Reynolds is one, he's not a company; he's Ryan Reynolds right. on exactly. his own Twitter right. account. So that right. helps a lot with him. If Warner Brothers would have said, uh, "Man of Uncle, it's out right uh, now," uh, Suicide Squad, uh, this will be out on Monday. It'll be out on Monday online, and Batman is going to be out uh, tomorrow. It'll yeah. be out tomorrow. It to that, I think the distance of three weeks. Seems like okay. You have a th- you have a reason. You give us a reason, and it's a a significant amount of time that mm-hmm. we're like we understand. But it's like, why are you going to wait a day? Mm-hmm. Why are you going to wait two days? Mm-hmm. That seems like if they come out and say that, that seems fishy. Yeah, if they came out and said we're going to do this, we're going to release Suicide Squad on Monday, people would have said why? I think, but I mean, yeah, in, I mean, in, it in, seems that, in that again to me, and I don't know, maybe you guys don't agree, but in the plan that I laid out for the reason why they did it that way. It makes perfect PR sure. sense. No, it makes sense. And, and it does. And it makes sense from a corporate right. standpoint. Yeah. And that's right. and that's what it is. Um, but they're taking a giant risk by not addressing it up front. Right. And then addressing it up front just will confuse fans. Like, sure. why are you waiting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because they're not approaching it from the really genius standpoint that uh, Disney is. They're not but, approaching it from the like we're actually still controlling this, right? But we're telling you that you're controlling this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, right. What they're doing is being like, oh, now look at this magnificent nugget of information. Oh, we're not going to tell. Well, that's my whole out. problem yeah. with Comic Con, and, and we talked about that earlier sure. this week on the Major Spoilers podcast. Uh, but that that illusion well, is is key to Comic Con, and you can see in the post uh, internet world mm-hmm. that now Comic Con has actually, in a lot of ways, become a PR problem. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. yep. Not just because you, you saw it. It's like how much, like, all of Marvel's new titles, mm-hmm. and I think all of DC's new titles, were announced prior to Comic-Con. And it's because mm-hmm. yes, if of them you are. don't, yeah. then it gets lost yeah, in the way. And we talked like, about that. They are now competing against themselves. Yeah, and we, we talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago on the Major Spoilers podcast, right. and I'm sure we talked about it uh, briefly this week on the Major Spoilers podcast. So listeners, go find that in the Major Spoilers podcast network feed. Uh, but you're right. Controlling the message is always going to be hard, especially when you are ill-informed on how to use social media to your mm. greatest advantage. And perhaps and Zach will start fun. sharing... Start dropping yeah. some of that knowledge on us yeah. here in the uh, next couple of months. Yeah. Matthew, that's 
that's only part of it for me because in a way from a Warner Brothers perspective, there is really no difference between somebody leaking this footage out of Comic-Con and somebody taking their, you know, uh, their movie or a chunk of their movie and bootlegging it somewhere mm-hmm. from their perspective. So, I mean, I, not to seem like I'm standing up for the gastrillion dollar company, but from their perspective, the way they're used to working – this is kind of a breach mm-hmm. of the trust that they have. If you if you think of this as they're trying to put it on the same level as they do, say, a press screener where they send something out so you can have your Ant-Man review up the day that Ant-Man comes out, if you leak sure. that, that's a big problem for them. I mean, they should I be – they should all just be lucky people weren't periscoping the entire panels, <laughs> which I'm sure they're probably where I should have looked. Yeah, and you know oh, – I'm sure there were. The, the easy way – so there's an easy way to do this for San Diego to keep these kind of leaks from – uh, going out EMPs. And, well, just turning off <laughs> cell you know, phone blockers. Just yeah. turn off cell phone blockers and turn off Wi-Fi in Hall H. The problem is, then you've got all the PR people who yeah. can't, unless yeah, you create cover. the private account. You have all these PR people who then can't watch, monitor their social media, right. and you have all these media outlets who then also can't live blog the right. event, and so Password then that creates kind of stuff. Wi-Fi. Well, and that's what it is. But still, uh, you know, cell phone blockers I think would be the easiest thing because uh, a Wi-Fi blocker I don't think is going to block your LG, um, no, LT, your wireless stuff. No. So you'd actually have to have a cell phone well, blocker. But why would too. it matter if you have Wi-Fi anyway? I mean, all of this stuff is being handled. Probably well, they they do. I think they do have Wi-Fi at the convention center, but I think it's really bad once you get 150,000 people on it all at once. Mm-hmm. Plus, they charge an outrageous fee so at convention cool. centers for yeah. those kinds of things. NAB, you could pay $15 a day and get less than a meg. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. So, people are going to rely on their cell phone network. Well, then you've got the whole issue of, well, what if there's an emergency or you know, something? Yeah. The same reason why movie theaters, there are some movie theaters that have implemented cell phone blockers, but those have been very bad PR stunts for those movie theaters that have done that because you're out on date night with your wife and the babysitter needs to get a hold of you they can't get a hold of you because of the cell phone blocker mm-hmm. or if there's an emergency in the theater if there's an emergency in the theater out. yes so yeah. see there's there's a lot of problems and i don't i don't necessarily think that this is san diego's fault uh, oh, I don't. No, I don't no. think that that's pushing the blame this is, at, this is the this is the changing landscape right and it is and it is truly if you want to point blame at somebody it's the person the one person who decided that hey i'm going to do cell phone copy of this and get it out mm-hmm. there and create my channel and get everybody to subscribe to my channel because I got an exclusive whatever. Um, what's the you can't stop the signal right? That's the thing you right now. You can't stop the signal, Mal. You can't do it. Guy killed me with a sword, Mal. Is that weird? Yeah. Let's, so, uh, Rodrigo, let's move away from marketing for a second. Was okay. the Suicide Squad trailer any good? Um, I thought it was definitely out of those. Uh, out of the Batman, Superman, and Suicide Squad, I thought that was the most interesting one. Okay, what do you think, Stephen? Yeah, I I I was very hesitant about Suicide Squad, um, but I really liked what I saw. Uh, they said that you know they're also still in the middle of shooting this movie, so that's mm-hmm. the other reason why they didn't want stuff to get out there. But I think it had a heck of a lot of promise. Does this yeah. pique your interest, Matthew? Yes and no. Okay, um, lay it on the me. trailer that I saw does seem like an exciting action movie. Yes. But it seems like a, from the trailer, and this is not meant to be derogatory so much as descriptive, a very generic action movie from what I've seen. Um, So, yeah, I'm kind of interested, but I also can't get past how much Margot Robbie looks like uh, the girl from Community. So (laughs) that's problematic for me, too, because I keep seeing Britta. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But this was, I, I'm no less interested yeah, no, than I was before, which okay. sometimes trailers have that effect on me. The, the last uh, Fan 4 stick trailer just told me all I need to know about why I don't need yeah. to see that. Movie. Well, I think, I think Matthew touched on that thing is that it looked like mediocre from the footage you saw. And again, Warner Brothers has said, we're still in the middle of shooting. So this, exactly. isn't, even, this isn't truly representative of what oh, no. this movie is. So well, that's the great thing about all of these companies putting out trailers so mm-hmm. early now is that mm-hmm. by the time the final trailer is, you go back and then compare shots yeah. and they're completely <laughs> different. I mean, Mad Max I added yes. 500 vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, there was just so many atmospheric effects and just crazy stuff added in that. Uh, Fantastic Four, they changed all the red things to green things uh, in the latest trailer. <laughs> it was. Are you it, sure they didn't just put on the orange-blue filter and it I don't, looked who like knows red what things they did. were green? Well, uh, but, at the, but at the same time, you look at um, Star Wars, which has really only released one trailer and one behind-the-scenes footage. Compare that to Ant-Man, which has released... 50 trailers. Now they've released the entire movie. They really they really have. If you look, there are 50 trailers that have, they've released. I just saw 48, 49, and 50 today. And wow, do you really need that many trailers? <laughs> I remember seeing one trailer for Raiders of the Lost Ark back in 1979 and going, oh, I want to see that movie God. when it comes out in 1980. <laughs> well, you do need that, that many trailers when you don't have that much faith in your movie. Yeah, that's yeah. true, too. Uh, the thing about first, having multiple trailers, though, is that they are... When Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, people went to the movies, they came home, and they watched sick channels. They are targeting these trailers at specific segments of the populace and specific demographic groups and specific areas. You'll see a a different trailer on a different channel because that channel has a different focal group as as their point. So, And the, the problem that I have is not are there 50 trailers is do those 50 trailers tell me more than 30% of the film? I think yes in this case. Uh, yeah. First Joker on screen since uh, Heath Ledger's portrayal in The Dark Knight. And what are we thinking? There's been a lot of negative reaction to early releases of um, pictures. This, this uh, yeah, Jared pictures Leto. of Jared Leto as Joker. Uh, Can I tell you a story? What about his characterization? Is it short? It's a very <laughs> short story. All right, tell it to me. The year was 1988. They said Jack Nicholson is going to be the Joker, and everybody went, "That's going to suck." And then. <laughs> It didn't. So That's wait, the story. So you think he has a nice betrayal of the Joker so far, what we've seen? Um, it's not aimed at me and my demographic. I don't hate it as much as some, but I will say that for specifically for what it is and for what they're trying to achieve with it, which is a familiar Joker that is completely unlike anything we've seen before, I think that the execution still is remains to be seen, but I think the concept itself might have legs under it because it's still the Joker. It's still creepy. It's still really, really unnerving to look at. But I think that you're going to have to get past people going, why are they, you know, targeting the specific demographic with the Joker? And uh, Yeah, did you hear that, Jared Leto? You need to grow your mustache and put your white grease paint <laughs> yeah, over it so Matthew will like you. It. I mean, he did have okay. a really long hair and beard <laughs> right before Romero he started filming. Is not my favorite Joker, <laughs> Mr. Smarty Man. Uh, my favorite Joker is Jim Joker Carrey TV? in um, Batman. I thought Returns. it was. I thought it was fine. I thought it was. I thought it yeah. was really good. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked this idea that he's very more sadistic than what we've seen, even in Heath Ledger's uh, portrayal, uh, just from that one little clip. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. You know, I'm really kind of fine with this stuff now going forward, to where it's just like, you give it to me after I watch it, I'll tell you if I like it. Then you can get mm-hmm. me hyped up with with trailers. But if I watch it and it su- sucks, then I'll tell you that it sucks. Mm. I mean, we may have seen 
everybody's best performance in this one three and a half minute <laughs> piece, right? Yeah. So, uh, Rodrigo, in talking to the the Suicide Squad trailer, you mentioned that he thought this was better than Batman v Superman, which had a big long trailer that released at Comic Con. I did. Uh, not so hot on the Batman Superman. I, just like every every little thing about it was just like I don't know, either actively bad or kind of boring. <laughs> okay, to me, um, it's like uh, it it picks up from the events of uh, Man of Steel, right? right? And like Bruce Wayne was in Gotham and he gets mad at Superman. Yes, no, he was um, in Metropolis. Oh, I'm Metropolis. Sorry, he was yeah. in Metropolis. That's what I meant. Um, and he's he so now he's mad at Superman. Um. I don't know. There's just um I'm I'm trying to think of like more like specific <laughs> things, but there's just like a lot of it is just straight up action. Superman being cool, punching things, flying around, tearing the doors out of the Batmobile mm-hmm. and things. But I'm just like I am just really not really in any way interested in this movie Mm -hmm. um we get like a three second shot of wonder woman maybe three seconds is pushing it actually yeah um and that looked cool but um we also get uh jesse eisenberg like yes really in like the handful of seconds that he's given like chewing the scenery for everybody in this trailer yeah and this trailer includes ben affleck as batman <laughs> and somehow somebody managed to out ham him in the process uh steven is it for me when i watched it it felt uh, a, a, a tinge of relief though like because they never really addressed so much all of the wanton destruction that Superman yes. caused in Metropolis. Yes. Like, oh, don't worry, guys. We're playing the long con here. There's right. a reason why he destroyed so much. is so Bruce Wayne can come back and kick <laughs> well, his tail. I don't know if that was the reason why. but Well, if, the, it, the, it the seems biggest, like biggest, that because that's how the trailer started. The, the biggest problem with Man of Steel that everyone had with it was the whole, where's the accountability for all these people's deaths? Sure. And everyone's like, just calm down. And, but, and a lot of people really hated Man of Steel because of that. This movie, right off the bat, says, hey, everybody who had a problem with this, mm-hmm. we are addressing it like we told you we would. And I think because of that, uh, the reaction to this has been very, very positive, uh, even from people who have been real haters uh, of Man of Steel, uh, who immediately after watching the trailer, one of them who I've had an, several arguments with over uh, Man of Steel, said, this movie has kind of changed my mind, and I think I'm... I'm very eager to see this movie now. Yeah, Matthew, that was my thought is, can Batman v Superman change people's minds of Man of Steel, a movie that released two years, or at that time it'll be three years upon release after yes. it? Is that possible? Absolutely. And, and uh, as evidence, I give you Iron Man 3, a movie that gets better with every Marvel movie that has been released after it. Because initially there was a lot of blowback about, oh, well, this is a this is a weird chapter and we, we don't want a hero who has PTSD all the way through in this weird ending. But then we also have gotten additional chapters and we get more stuff. It's kind of like that point where when we do comic reviews on the MSP, if I'm reviewing something that is clearly chapter three of four, that third you know chapter, that one single issue isn't satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Because the setup is done, the resolution isn't there yet, and I feel like I'm hanging on all cylinders. And I feel like 
a movie that successfully says what happened in this you know film why weren't you being superman superman if they can answer that movie successfully if they can say yes this happened and this is why this has happened and here's the superman you wanted all along mm-hmm. i feel like they can save that movie just like you know return of the jedi coming 3 years after uh the empire strikes back it answers the things of what happened oh, yeah, on yeah. solo mm-hmm. but it, it also there are people who return of the jedi changes their feeling on the whole trilogy sometimes good sometimes bad because you have a conclusion you have an ending or a next chapter that adds depth and it adds texture both meta textually and both within the story to what's happened before so i think it can based on the blood death black evil smoke flying everybody firing <laughs> superman's going to kill everything in sight trailer from uh, batman v superman v kramer v kramer that i saw i don't know if it'll do it for me but i think it can do it for people mm. is it is i mean i've to me it felt like warner brothers had a lot of success at comic con with the things they released um is warner brothers finally figuring out what to do with dc properties and making uh a long like uh, library of films based off these properties kind of like marvel and disney have done with that rodrigo are they finally starting to get a flow to things they're finally starting to figure out how to market them. Okay. At the very least. Um, this is the first volley. Yeah. You have to remember, you have to think that the first movie doesn't count, right? All of this is spinning out of Man of Steel, which financially did well, but the um, critics were, and I think audience response as well, were split, pretty yeah. lukewarm, yeah. you know, when you average it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... You know, if you think about it in terms of Marvel, that was like your Iron Man, except that Iron Man was generally very well regarded. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what kicked everything off. And DC is really banking on something that got a, a pretty so-so response. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to say, yes, they're definitely got it right, but they're doubling down on that tone. Mm-hmm. This is why... The Suicide Squad stuff is successful is because it exists in a world where Superman killed dozens of people. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Freeze the trailer on the newspaper. It's yeah. like Wayne Tower collapses, like dozens of people killed. And it's like, oh, geez. dozens of people? <laughs> well, the building dozens. was just about to open. So it was a new building. That's why sure. Bruce Wayne yeah. was there. So it may not yeah. be fully occupied yet. Sure. Uh, Man of Steel, 56% uh, of the critic rating, 76%. On the yeah, audience so rating, pretty much right down the middle. But here's the but reason was it why a financial success. Uh, yeah, I will let you know that in just a moment. Sure. It, it I think like three hundred million. Or um, here's the thing, though. I I think Warner Brothers is starting to figure it out. I don't think they have yet, because based on the 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 big mass of tw- Twitter scroll that was going on, the Suicide Squad trailer was more well received than the Batman v Superman trailer, mm-hmm. even though I thought both were really great. I think people are tired of Batman and Superman. Give us something else. Now, granted, Suicide Squad is going to have Batman in it for a moment. Yes, there is. Um, But but here is something that is totally different from your traditional Batman-Superman movies. Well, I mean, Marvel really had a success with Guardians of the Galaxy. Financially, critically, fans went crazy for it. Something not... 
people had never seen before. Mm-hmm. No one had no knew there was a talk or a halfway talking tree and a talking raccoon in the right. Marvel comics. You can you can really argue that that is entirely what Marvel has been successful for. Mm. Because aside yeah. from Captain America, I wouldn't say that any of the big Marvel tentpole movies have been well known characters. Mm. I mean, nope. people generally maybe knew. That Thor was a superhero, but they didn't know anything about him. Yeah, they, and they certainly Iron didn't Man. know with Iron Man. Iron Man was a C character, right? And they escalated him to an Absolutely. A level status. All of all of the A level characters <laughs> they sold off. Got, yeah, they, they sold off right. right away to get movies made mm-hmm. yeah. because they never thought that they were going to get move. You know, have their own movie studio at the time. Yeah, uh, Man of Steel uh, production budget estimate two hundred and twenty five million domestic, two hundred and ninety one million. So it made more than its uh, budget worldwide. Mm-hmm. Six hundred and sixty eight million dollars didn't crack a so, billion dollars. So if you double that uh, production number to include um, S&D and, and marketing and everything, um, or I'm sorry, S&Ps and marketing, uh, it, it still made $150 million over its, over its cost. Yeah, so. And I think there, there's one thing that we have to keep in mind about the reception of a Suicide Squad trailer versus the reception of a Batman Superman trailer. Uh, there are old people in the world like me. There are people who... Not for much longer. Oh, hush your face. <laughs> Look at it this way. Tonally speaking, a dark and brutal world where you can die at any moment fits the Suicide Squad a lot better than it does Superman. Absolutely. And I think that the fact that the the Suicide Squad movie is perfect in tone and in texture to the world that they've built, whereas there are still people who are angry that Superman is being put in, you know, this role of I killed 350 million people and snapped Zod's neck, but it was all for the greater good. Uh, Absolutely. There is no tonal dissonance in the Suicide suicide Squad movie for two reasons. One, nobody knows what the... The tone of the Suicide Squad is supposed to be, and you can kind of approximate it, but it's definitely what we saw Mm -hmm. if you're going to put it in a movie. And that's also potentially, that's also the tone that we've seen with Batman this whole time, which again, has people really split on Superman because, Mm. you know, half the people, maybe more than half, remember any other Superman, which is going to be about a thousand times less bleak than this one. Mm-hmm. So people will argue about that. And and you know what is actually weirdly, even though Batman has been dark and getting gotten progressively darkened darker since Tim Burton got a hold of him, mm-hmm. um people are st- people still remember the Adam West Batman. People still yeah, yeah. remember the Justice League Unlimited Batman. Mm-hmm. People still remember mm-hmm. the Batman from any number of comics that they read as kids. Yeah. Where he was basically wore a blue cape and cowl mm-hmm. and, yep. you know, swung around basically quipping like Spider-Man does now. And if you look at modern live action portrayals of Superman, the longest lasting and probably most currently culturally active Superman is a lighthearted TV romantic comedy featuring Dean Kane. They did three seasons of that. And if that's your Superman... Well, first of all, congratulations, that's your Superman. But that won't necessarily be what you're going to get out of this movie. And if you go in expecting that and don't get it, then, yeah, I think that your response to that trailer could be, holy moly, what have they done to my Superman? Uh, Speaking of Ryan Reynolds a little bit ago, one of the kind of more subtle announcements from Warner Brothers is they're going to not do a Green Lantern movie, but a Green Lantern core movie, (laughs) which has potential to bring in 
uh, a more diverse cast of characters than potentially, I don't know, Ryan Gosling or something to play Hal Jordan once again. Uh, so, I mean, is this a good move for Warner Brothers to go with this property and like uh, a a group property instead of a solo? I think it's I think it's well, smart. It is. Um, I, I, it is. But if you look at, well, I wouldn't advise you to look at the first Green Lantern movie. A lot of it is, hey, here's all these other Green Lanterns that are coming to help you at some point in the movie. So it's not like the Green Lantern movie only had one Green Lantern in it. Well, no, but it I would say multiples. One of, one of the serious weaknesses of that movie is that it split its time between yeah. wacky aliens yes. and right. actual yes. problems. That's why I said go Earth. watch that movie. Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking at Green Lantern Corps, yeah, I think that's fine. I I think that um, I think they're missing some other opportunities though with Green Lantern. Besides just, hey, let's show all these other aliens from all the other sectors. Green Lantern. What are they missing? Oh, John Stewart. Well, why not have John Stewart be the center that's of what, your That's what I'm Lantern hoping that they do. But oh, that would be so great. But I don't, Wouldn't I mean, it? we've been talking about that for years, that more people know John Stewart as Green Lantern than they know anybody else. Well, sure. What if they just do, what, there's what, five human Green Lanterns now about, or something yeah. like that? Six. Can yeah, they just, six couldn't million. they just pull all of them? Everybody on Earth is a Green Lantern, I heard. <laughs> well, deep down inside, if you just gotta, you know, focus yep. enough. Yep. Bright I am not a Green Lantern. Night. No evil shall escape my sight. Nope. <laughs> but those who worship I'm, I'm, evils I'm a, might go talk to Matthew. I'm a magenta lantern. Yeah. Mm. I'm halfway between rage and uh, hate. I'm I'm ennui, the magenta lantern core. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, so big thing I really want to talk about uh, to really because it's something we've been talking about a lot. The summer movie yeah. special yeah. is the state of visual effects and how, and they, how they have not been great for. Uh, quite a time and they're really getting let down so star wars comes out for their panel like uh five minutes behind the scene footage and it's essentially hey remember those prequels remember all they were all special effects f that stuff let's make some robots they, they didn't quite say that but no JJ, they did jj <laughs> abrams basically was like hey nothing against george lucas who built all this but what made the first three movies special was that they used practical effects No, they didn't become special until he edited out all the practical effects and put in computer. (laughs) And then they were the special edition. (laughs) The opening line is real sets, practical effects. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And then there's nothing like for like 15 seconds. Nobody says anything else. You're just looking at stuff. And I was like, what are are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's an interesting video. Uh, I enjoyed it because I love Star Wars so much, and it was really cool to see all the behind-the-scenes uh, footage. I mean, you got to see some new things. We saw Princess Leia for a shot or two and things like that. Uh, and so there is this love for practical effects that people really enjoy. and prob- I mean, a lot of film nerds probably enjoy. Most people don't really care about Yeah, but, you know, the the thing was when the the first full trailer of star wars arrived over thanksgiving uh with bb8 that showed up people were like oh yeah that's just um that's cg Uh, you know that's fine it's cool it's just cg and then we got to celebration and they rolled bb8 out on stage and they're like here he is this is a practical effect every time you see him in the movie i'm guessing that's not every time you see him in the movie because touch-ups but it is a practical robot that we built and then at the uh, Star Wars panel, it's like, hey, you know this Jojo Bobo or whatever this uh, character is that you see in the background? Bobo, 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 Bobo. He's a, he's a real 
puppet that we built. And here he is. And he walks out on stage and he's got the puppet chickens going on. And people are like, holy crap, you guys are serious about this. And so. People in costumes, Simon Pegg, Full. which was really funny. He's like, Simon Pegg's in Star Wars? Well, kind of, not really. I hope he gets credited. That'd be funny. No, he won't. That's uh, so cool. But, you know, they built... They built ships. You know, it's not like let's put Luke and Leia in front of a uh, a green screen and then map the Millennium Falcon behind them. Mm-hmm. Let's build a Millennium Falcon and break Harrison Ford's leg with it. Right. Right. Sure. Uh, so I love practical effects. I, I really like it. Even though I think you can do some good things with uh, digital effects. We talked about this last week or a couple of weeks ago, Zach, about uh, this article that was like, yeah, you we know, keep here's, referencing here's it a the lot. Re- here's the reason why effects have not gotten better since 1999. I just, there hasn't been any innovation. There hasn't been anything that's really stunning. And but that's a good point. Effects, practical or uh, CGI, may mm-hmm. have been at its peak or only gotten slightly better since 1999. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, the fa- the Phantom Menace is part of that crop of truly excellent practical effect movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. they everything in the Phantom Menace looks fantastic. What it's missing is restraint. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what, when people see that and they're like, ah, look at the CGI, what they're really saying is, look at this mess. Mm-hmm. There is right. so much stuff, so many little moving well, parts, so many like little things here and there. Like the, the Transformers in the first Transformers movie look great. Mm-hmm. You can't tell what the hell's going on in there because yeah. there's so much going on all the time. No restraint. Right. What this is saying is it's marketing that restraint. Yeah. It's saying, well, we can't build a puppet that does everything that Jar Jar Binks does. Mm-hmm. Right. So, therefore, you're getting this baked-in restraint. Right. right. It is interesting because they don't ever say, well, because it's Star Wars. Of course there's going to be special effects. Sure. There's lightsabers. There's well, a Millennium Falcon flying through the sky. There's blasters. Yeah, there's effects. The sure, whole thing sure. is special effects still. I mean, they it go like that real though. sets, practical effects, <laughs> you know, right. a shot of people getting blown up in the desert. I, I believe the next shot, if not like a shot soon thereafter, is the underside of the Millennium Falcon up against the green screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they're using them. It's not yeah. like they're right. not No, it's not that them. they're going away from One it. of the big features was... What I, the truly heartbreaking sight of Lupita Nyong'o covered oh in my little gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dots. Yeah, yeah. And Mo-cap. Just so sad. Just looking at that and being like, you took... It's like, we almost got two black people on screen yeah. at the same time. Well, but we but don't no, know why... We, not one of them is going to be a CGI alien. We don't know why that they were doing that. Yeah, right? but... So, but it could be amazing. for a number of different reasons. Yeah. Um, I have a... She I have could a, be the Zordon of, of the... She could. Yes. Zordon. I, I have a... I have a something that's just kind of been building in the back of my head for the last couple of years. For me, when I look at bad special effects, you it's should like, get that looked into. Yes, I, I really yeah. should. I do have a doctor's appointment next week, so there's a lot of treatment. Um, not really for this one. Uh, oh, well. But you know, we look at special effects and we're like, oh god, can you not rotoscope correctly? Can you not green screen correctly? And part of me wants to say, again, it's the internet's fault because here you have. Two generations now of kids who have grown up watching, reading tutorials that I've written or watching videos that other creators have done. And they're like, oh, yeah, I can go buy this $1,500 package and just follow along step by step with what these people are doing and not really truly understand why they're doing it. Because Stephen told me I need to click, 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 click. And this guy's showing me to click, 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 click. But they're not explaining it to me why. And then these kids get out and they develop a nice show reel. 
they get hired and then they're like, okay, well, go clean up this wireframe work or whatever, but they haven't had a lot of the practical training. And I'm not saying this is true for everybody and I could be totally off base, but it seems like uh, a lot of people are not going through that practical apprenticeship, yeah. what, a, what a true apprenticeship is to really learn and understand how this works, why it works and why you do this instead yeah. of doing yeah. that. You know, you know why though, right? It's not their fault that they're not going through that. It's not their fault. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's their fault. But they could I'm... go to Industrial Light and Magic and learn this stuff. They would. No, but there are. But companies, instead of going to Industrial Light and Magic or any of the other mm-hmm. companies that are established, they go directly right. to the kids straight right. out of college. And that's, yep. and that's and the problem. And they say, here's a hundred dollars. Yes. Here is a tiny, tiny mm-hmm. fraction of what we would pay a professional with any experience right. to do it. Right. You do it. Right. And I think that that is. I think that's. Yes. I think that's the, the reason. Kids, it's not the kid's fault. It's the yeah. company's fault. Well, no, it's, it's truly the company's undercutting fault. Undercutting the pros. Yes, they are undercutting. I agree. But I also think that if you said, "Okay, kid, right out of college, we're going to pay you the exact same amount," you, you would still be dis. You would be saddened by the uh, the result because they don't have the apprenticeship knowledge. The background knowledge to well, understand. if you were going to pay him the exact same amount, why not go with the pros? Well, I'm just... That's the problem. Let's level that part out. I'm just saying that there's not a lot of... They're missing some experience. There's some experiential sure. stuff that's being missing in effects today. Sure. But there, there's another question here, and this is the thing that's very, very important. We talk... Uh, Rodrigo talked about that first Transformers movie being beautiful, and I saw the third or fourth one with a robot riding a dinosaur the other day, and the effects were... Okay, but it was just incomprehensible on the screen, and it still made a cabrillion dollars. These companies aren't worried about that anymore Mm -hmm. because that's not what's selling the film for them. When we go and we see a Transformers movie and everybody sees a Transformers movie and the effects aren't as good, it doesn't seem to matter in terms of their bottom line, so they're not going to put any any effort into it. I mean, my grandfather used to say – it is a poor craftsman who blames the tools. And I feel like, you know, when it comes to visual effects, especially visual effects of a digital nature, we get kind of, uh, I, I do it too. I think all of us as fans get on kind of a high horse about, oh, well, those visual effects, those, were, those weren't as good as the practical effects. A practical effect can suck too. It's not necessarily to me that one is superior to the other. It's a question of, In this case, Lucasfilm, or Disney, is telling us that this practical effect is now, the the, this is better because it's thought through. If it were a digital effect done, thought through, done to, you know, the standards that you're describing, Stephen, I don't think that it would make for a worse movie experience. And more importantly, I don't think it's going to affect their bottom line in terms of who goes and sees this movie. It's just a representation of the craftsmanship and the pride that they want to put into this, making a point of pride of their Well, and that effects. got into, gosh, who was I listening to? Oh, uh, Adi Shankar. Did you listen to his interview uh, recently on no. – uh, I forget what it is. I'll send, send you a link on that. But Adi Shankar is the guy that did – is the producer behind the uh, Power Rangers – uh, fan film and the Punisher mm-hmm. fan film and all that kind of stuff. And I would love to talk to him, but he came off very difficult in his answers. But one of the things that he really stressed, the one thing that he stressed that came out of this half hour, hour long interview that he did was, and it goes back to Matthew's point is Hollywood 
is not craft. Mm-hmm. Hollywood is a business. Sure. And the business of Hollywood is to make money by making movies. If they wanted to create uh, something that was like apparently what Lucasfilm is doing with this new Star Wars movie, they could, but it's a, but to them it is a wasted, it's wasted right. money. If they it's, can do something cheaper. It's throwing money at something that will still right. make the money at the lesser right. quality. Right. And that's a difference between, and we've brought this up before, probably one of the very first episodes of Zach on film. What's the difference between a film and a movie? And it's that same kind of concept of one, there is craft applied to it, some care and reasoning behind every single piece. And the other one is let's get some people to buy some tickets. Also number of syllables. Also that as well. Uh, Rodrigo going along with this whole conversation, uh, Dustin Hoffman, I don't think I didn't, he said recently (laughs) like, the film industry is the worst it's been in like 50 years. Yes, uh-huh. You think there's a lot of truth to that? There is, but it's important to recognize the kind of the context that he said it in. Like the first, he said that TV is the best that it's been yeah. mm-hmm. in a long time. And that film is now the worst. And it is because of... But he was talking of, about it from the acting and pay structure, right? Not necessarily the whole... Well, he wasn't talking quality. specifically about... Well, he was. He was talking about content... And acting, I mm. think. And it's, uh, I think what he was getting at is that now you have these um, outlets like uh, HBO, for mm-hmm. example, um, who have, you know, he's not saying it like this, but I feel have figured out a way like Disney has to monetize and market care and craftsmanship. Because these are this is still Hollywood. Mm-hmm. These are still the same things. Mm-hmm. What J.J. Abrams is saying to get us to watch his movie is look at what care we took to mm-hmm. do this. That's what they're selling. Mm-hmm. And the studio is like, yeah, we'll shell out an extra 30 bajillion dollars for this movie because it's going to make it back. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to be like really happy about it. You can't buy that nice warm fuzzy feeling that you get from the superiority of your special effects or Mm -hmm. liking something Mm -hmm. that makes you feel Mm -hmm. like you're liking something better um and that's actually what that stuff is marketing and in the process getting back to what dustin hoffman was saying in the process um you do end up with better stuff because Mm -hmm. you're like you know you see this cycle happen over and over again um, in movies and TV, they're like, well, let's just give this to this auteur type. And it's like you, random person that, you know, maybe has made a couple movies and has done a thing here and there. Uh, make us like a weird police procedural and you end up with Twin Peaks. And it changes television, mm-hmm. you know? And then what happens? Everybody starts copying it. Mm-hmm. And... It becomes kind of part of the stock. It's it's the same thing over and over again. Somebody else is given a chance, given a budget, given an opportunity, and they do something great, something special, and it kind of changes things for a while, and then everybody gets to copying it. And w- the, the moment that we are now, where we are right now in movies, is the tail end of everybody still copying Jurassic Park mm-hmm. or the matrix or whatever you know just kind of those big movies that kind of redefine how people approach special effects and we are in like the dying twilight 
of that movement. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and we're still kind of waiting for something else to come along and tell us what the new way of doing special effects is, I think. And Hoffman's remark mm-hmm. specifically, he hit on the fact that when they did The Graduate, The Graduate was not a big budget movie. They shot for a hundred days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They shot that movie that's, for a long time and, and they had, they spent time on the script and they spent mm-hmm. time on the edit. Time, that you care, can't, craftsmanship. Well, that and that's you can't well, get away with anymore. He was getting into the thing that that for actors, it's a different it's a different thing because sure. uh, there are more lucrative roles on television now than there are in movies, where they're looking for a specific body type, and it's all you know. One year they're all the the little thin blondes, and then the next year they're all the little thin brunettes, and then the next right. year they're all back to the blondes again, or they're looking for this particular look, and. Um, because of the pay structure now is better on television than the movies as far as maybe, you know, someone like him may be getting $10 million a movie, but all the other crap that comes with that, sure. uh, it's now better to look for those jobs that are going to last longer on television than finding something in the movies, I think is what he was getting at. So the craft and care thing is something we brought up when we watched Inside Out. Cause you talk about, you look at Pixar and mm-hmm. the way they make their films, mm-hmm. they're, year multiple year processes just to get the script and the story down and then they finally go into the animating process of these films and you you go against that where big blockbuster movies from marvel from warner brothers from other studios they're shooting and releasing in about a year yeah it's insane it's incredibly fast-paced but most of these are some of the highest grossing films of the time so is there going to, or what is it going to take for people to to switch? What's it? What's where? Where's the switch going to be? Because Pixar is still making movies; they're doing fine, right? But no one else is really following this formula of well, take time to craft and build this thing. That's it's it's going to take a while. It's going to be an investment of time, but people will appreciate it. You said investment. As long as you have investors, you're going to be beholden to that bottom dollar and how fast you're making a profit. With Steve Jobs. Let's put this into the Apple terms. Of course, he did run Pixar for a long time. But even with John Laster um, running just Pixar, uh, there was a point in, and I forget which movie it was, Monsters, Inc. or whatever, where the movie was just not working. And they're like, you know what? We are scrapping this entire thing, and we are starting over from the beginning with a new, fresh look. Oh, but that means it's going to be another year and a half or two years before you get it done. I'd rather have it done right than to put out schlock. If you look at, and again, if you look at Apple, when Steve Jobs was in charge, he did not want to ship anything unless it was to his standards, which meant that there were oftentimes long delays between stuff. After his passing, nothing against uh, Cook, but I think that's the one that's in charge now. Tim Cook, who's in charge now, nothing against him. I think he's a fine gentleman, very smart person, but they've released some products that I think could have waited another year. Yeah. Sure. Even though that may have put them behind in the market, that may have put them behind on their investors and caused stock to go down. They have $400 billion in cash reserve. Uh, they could have waited and made a better product. So until you get someone like a Tarantino, until you get someone like um, uh, a Steve Jobs, or uh, even to an extent you get somebody like um, – um, what's his name? Well, what about Duncan Jones with yeah. World of Warcraft? They yes, wrapped that's that what filming I was last spring. Yes. And that won't be out for yet year. another year. And They've been doing special effects for two years. And if you look at Blizzard, they just are like, we'll release it when it's when it's done. When we are happy with it, that's when you will get it. And I'm 
And you know, honestly, and I, a, I'm perfectly fine. They're with in that. a unique position that their audience is already there. It's right. not going Very anywhere. Big audience. The the biggest problem will be getting those guys to get out of their computers while yeah. they're playing World of Warcraft to go <laughs> see the World of Warcraft. I don't Warcraft think that's going to be a problem. But no, I think if 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 you had somebody like J.J. Abrams, and and he actually addressed that in the Star Wars panel, uh, the the suits as they would be called on on uh, Entourage. The suits were really pushing for a May release mm-hmm. of, of this past year. I mean, to coincide with the anniversary and everything. But J.J. said, I begged and I fought for the December release so we could have more time to put into this. Sure. So if we can get more directors and more creatives to say, we really need to do this, I think that's when things will change. Audiences, you're not going to change the audience. The audience is just, give me input. And, right. and you know, it pays off. You see that in everything. You see that, like, Nintendo skipped an entire generation of consoles. Right, right. People were like, Nintendo, when are you going to put a thirty put out a 32-bit console? And they were like, uh, maybe someday. Nah. And they just skipped it. And they, you know, when the 64-bit ones came out, they put one out. Mm-hmm. But yep. they skipped the whole generation because they're like, you know what? We still got plenty of juice in the Super Nintendo. We don't want to put something out that's going to be weird. We got this weird like CD thing, but it's really not doing what we want. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're just not going to do it. And mean, meanwhile, other companies like Atari basically went bankrupt because of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and if you look at, uh, to, to put this in terms that are near and dear to my heart, if you look at the available films as food, not Every company, not every director, is going to put a nice steak on the plate. And to some degree, I don't think they should. Some directors are frying you a burger and sticking it on whatever bread they can find. And those movies have a place. You know, a movie that you can put together in a year, those Marvel movies, those Transformer movies that everybody says they hate, but they still make all the money. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that I have not heard anybody say I was looking forward to this movie, but still made a scrobillion dollars in the box office. Those movies are the equivalent of what I had for lunch at the drive-thru when I was, you know, I have to stay under $10 and I have 10 minutes to get food mm-hmm. and that's what I've got. You know, I think that it, it's that that line between movie and film, between disposable entertainment and something that may be designed to be a longer term film sort of experience, which is what, you know, Hoffman is talking about when he says The Graduate XYZ. That's a movie that sticks with you even 40 years later, whereas Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium was a movie he put out that maybe, you know, paid the bills, Uh, paid, paid, you know, paid for the gas in his yatchet. No, I, I like that, Matthew, because I guess, is it wrong for us to have an ex- expectation that every film is going to be Pulp well, Fiction? Is it, I mean, every, is it wrong that we have an experience? If every pork chop were perfect, we wouldn't need hot dogs. <laughs> well, the the issue there is, um, where is, like, the only issue that I have with it, because mm-hmm. I don't care how fast a movie is made or how often it gets put out or whatever, the only issue I have with it is where is that strain going? Because clearly mm-hmm. making a movie so fast is mm-hmm. taxing something. It's like the the law of conservation of energy is like getting pressed. Something is happening. And I think it comes down to like just un, like inhumane practices when it comes to like the actual people, your grips, your... Um, oh, sure. Basically, everybody. Best boy. Yeah, everybody who is actually working. Yeah, your gaffers. Everybody who's working 
physically working in the movie and then after that your editors like i think that's where the strain is going and right now it's kind of uh um like the way that the market is and the way that the economy is is like those that is where the costs are being cut and you know paying those people and hiring those people doing all that stuff and like i think the uh guilds and 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 unions and stuff are really being pressed to to get that together well, you know that, we have the well, that, that's right well I'm, that's why california is in a dismal state when it comes to a movie production right because the studios don't want to pay right what it's worth but we can go to vancouver or australia or new mm-hmm. zealand and we can get it for half half price yeah. i mean and that's that's what ends up happening is you know that pays and that mentality of like let's well, just pump a trillion dollars into the 10 stars that are going to sell this movie right. and cut every other possible corner we have my concern is that it puts the strain on the work a day movie maker. or plain devil's advocate here sure mm. or if they're willing to open up the the coin purse mm-hmm. it could actually generate more jobs because we had this conversation just before uh, zach got here you go out rodrigo and yeah. you edit movie one right and you spend all your time however much time you need to spend on movie one steven you go out and you're going to do movie two now you're not going to is this a sequel or is this a second this separate is the, movie uh sequel whatever okay the the pumping out a movie a year right sure, kind of thing sure. Um, Steven, you go out and you go do movie two, Rodrigo, you are, you've got two years to work on this movie. Steven, you've got two years to work on this movie, but because of the way they're they're staggered. staggered, And then at the end of that time, if Rodrigo has done a good job, Rodrigo, you get to do movie three, Steven, you get to do movie four and you flip flop on that. Or Zach, you get to do movie three and then we'll rotate those three around for the next 20 years as our star Wars films come out. It generates three times the, um, the employees, as opposed to driving Rodrigo into an early grave by saying, Rodrigo, the minute that you're done with the final cut of Star Wars uh, 7, you must have a rough cut of 8 ready to go. And that's fine, except that the problem that that brings is that I don't know that I am going to get hired right. for movie 3. And in fact, if I've already worked on something and I know the value of my work and I say, well, to do movie three, I want this much money. They're like, well, we'll just That's get someone You'd else. You'd have to open up the coin purse. It's, it's really up to well, the absolutely. studio to do it that. It would be up to the so studio. So they could, they could actually say, hey, we're doing, you know, and again, it's this idea of why does Apple need $400 billion in cash reserves? Not just what they're worth. Literally in a bank, $400 billion are sitting there. Sure. Why do they need that much money? Why is that money not invested back into their employees? I'm not saying that it's not, but as an example, why are the studios not investing that money back into their employees? And mm-hmm. I know that well, the studio system was awful. I know the studio system was awful, but guess what? People knew every day if you were a gaffer or if you were a stage uh, construction, every day you went to the studio and you built stages. And when you were done with that stage, you went over to the next movie and you built that stage and you had steady employment. Sure. After that for, fell apart, for for well below what you should have gotten. Uh, I don't know what the, I don't know if that was the case in in the studio system days. Um, uh, obviously, the rise of the unions uh, came up from the actors' side, but uh, at least you had that steady job as opposed to well, now how many people are employed in California working in the movie industry like compared to the, the many? Docks yeah, how many people are hangs you a hook? <laughs> <laughs> how many people are working in Vancouver in the movie industry? So. Uh, you know, I, I think if the studios wanted to open up that purse, they can employ a lot of people oh, yeah. locally but, but that's the thing, and have a like, lot more success. And, like, and okay. they would have that they would have that moral high ground of saying, well, look what we're doing for well, everyone. Yeah, but that's that's the thing is like if you're like, OK, so how could we get this to be a more 
uh, humane yeah, and socialistic more, commie yeah, version of like, movie how, Hollywood. How do we get? How do we get to that point? Is like, well, the studio just spend a little bit more on people. They hire more people. Mm-hmm. They take more time. Oh wait, now we're back to that time, care, craftsmanship thing. Right, right, right. That they're not going to do right. because mm-hmm. it costs more money. Yeah. Right. Well, and it goes back to that bottom dollar. Sure. Look at how much profit we made. Look and, at how much we spent. And that's what matters, right? It's that margin. That it matters to the investors. Make a lot of yes. money and are shot on the mega cheap, right? Like, as cheap as you can get them, right? And it's just kind of a runaway thing. The shooting keeps getting cheaper, and the movies keep making more money. And yeah. eventually, presumably, there is going to be some sort of collapse. But mm-hmm. I don't know where it's going to come from. It already happened, to be honest. I oh, mean, sorry. that's why the. Um, new governor of California has started to do all these increased tax incentives to keep Hollywood in, um, in California, as opposed to them fleeing and, and lining the pockets of people in other uh, states and countries. So anything Man, else? Max? That's what a good episode. I mean, that, that was fun. Uh, you that good. Yeah, no, I like these, these episodes. Uh, was there anything else real quick that we missed at San Diego Comic-Con that was really big news? Um, just Brian Cranston being a super jerk oh, yeah. to like, Oh my god, that was kind of funny. I was so had, sad for You could guy. see that the minute that the yeah. kid got up and asked his question, Cranston was like, oh, I've got the answer. But then the kid didn't phrase the question correctly. Uh, he was like, the kid, what Cranston was hoping the kid would say is, what is there to do in in Arizona right. to which, oh, well, your mom was, but right. it was like, what places did you visit or where did you go a lot? And Cranston was like, well, I saw your mom quite a bit, but it, it, was, kinda, pretty, it like, was funny. It he just, was just, it just fun really felt like literally taking candy from a <laughs> like, I was <laughs> just, like, I was just so sad for but you, Well, you know what? I bet that kid had a fun time with it. And now for the rest of his life, he's like, there's this one time Brian Cranston totally burned yeah. me. And then his grandkids are going to go, who the F is Brian yeah. Cranston? He- Heisenberg called me a turd. It yeah. was awesome. Um, so that's it. And the Comic-Con is in the books and that is this episode. This is a very special week for all you Zach on film episode, uh, listeners because there's going to be two episodes. I believe so. Yeah. Um, later this week, people will go watch Ant-Man and then we'll record an episode on that and it'll be great. Uh, but that is it for this episode. Head over to MajorSpoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page. You can give all your thoughts on the stories from San Diego Comic-Con that we have covered. And uh, anything that we might have slipped through the cracks, let us know and uh, discuss it there. And we'll all join in the conversation as well. Uh, click on that Amazon.com link over on the right bar. You can buy movies and comic books and all posters and t-shirts and all sorts of stuff at that site. If you use that link, it's not going to cost you a dime extra. But a little bit will come back to Major Spoilers to help uh, this site keep afloat. Uh, That's it for this episode of Zach on Film. We will see you next week. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.